Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com. All right, good afternoon. Renee, I have to tell you, you guys aren't hard to believe in. (laughs) In all honesty, if you know Joaquin and Renee, they are just cream of the crop. Like, this is on your heart? Well, that means a lot to us because of who you are. Yeah. And I said it before in the earlier meeting, but um, when they left Bethel Reading, and we knew this would happen, but it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it leaves a hole in our environment because they're such an integral part of what they carry, what they walk in. And not just them, but even the Tates. I mean, all you guys are so anointed and powerful and dynamic, many of you that left Reading, and it does cause a change in our environment. But I don't know how many of you guys are gardeners, but I love to garden. And um, we planted, I planted this strawberry patch once at our church community garden and I hadn't done it before so I looked up on the internet and I had an um, older man who was helping me um, who had a little more experience but he's like I've never done a um, whole strawberry patch so let's look on the internet and just go from there well, we look out about it and you plant them so they have enough room to grow I decided to make some rows and mound them up and plant them kind of zigzaggy so they had enough room and they grew in the first year and produced fruit it was so wonderful and then the next year between the end of the summer after it was done until, you know, then after that, you're kind of done. You just let them do whatever. Come back and start March, kind of cleaning up, getting ready for the new growth season. But what happened between the end of summer and March is they just all started to uh, multiply. And they were filling up so much that there wasn't even room to walk anymore. I had these beautiful walkways. And I'm like, this isn't good. We need to thin them out again so they can keep growing. So we thinned them out and took some away so that they could have room. And when we thinned them out, they Strawberries are runners because they just keep reproducing and they like, plant little um, arms and get back in the ground and make new strawberry plants. So I just kept taking off the new plants. And then some of the old plants keep the new plants. We'd switch it up. And I was able to give a ton of strawberry plants away. You don't have to go to the store and buy them. They just keep producing new strawberry plants. And, um, and every year it keeps, it almost quadruples sometimes. It doesn't even goes double. It just keeps growing. And I just tell you that we are a rich people in Reading. What God is doing there and who he brings there. And it's keeping us healthy to give it away. It keeps like, they leave holes in the beginning, like, oh, there's room. And what it does is allows them to get health, to stay healthy too, and to go into more of who God's created them to be. And I see even the glory increasing in you. And as you give it away, it increases. And for us, they do, they did leave a hole. I'm like, oh my gosh, who's going to carry what they were carrying? Well, someone else gets to grow into that. And they too, and all of us, just keep, that's just part of healthy living. Yep. And so I just want to say, we did feel you leaving. And it's so good, though, to come here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, and you're already planting so much. Yep. And I just can't imagine. I mean, I can't imagine. I can dream about what God is going to do in the life flow when we continue to give. Mm-hmm. And um, we're just so thankful for who you are. It's, you're not hard to believe in at all. It, is so, it was so fun to hear what God is doing. You have so much favor because of who you are. It's because you guys are people of integrity. You don't just walk in anointing and you release, you release so much. You're intentional with the presence of God. You're intentional with signs and wonders and power and following Holy Spirit. But you're also a people of integrity. Sometimes those don't coincide in people and you're really dynamic because you have all of that and you're people that are really trustworthy. And so when you speak, it's it's not hard to go, okay, what's in there? We would be fools not to 
um, get right behind you. Yep. Come on. So it's been an honor and a blessing. Yep. Good. Yeah, really. <laughs> Come on. And it wasn't surprising to me that when we announced it, a lot of people felt the exact same way that we did. Yeah. We didn't have to do anything except say, hey, yeah. this is in their heart and our heart. And everyone just went, woo, and rallied behind you guys. Because really, we, it's, it's a privilege for us to partner with you. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this day for, I think, about two years now. It's been at least two years where the conversation started. And so it's a tremendous honor to be here. I want to get rid of these because I want to jump right in with you guys. Um, there's some resources out here. Um, this one is the teaching on freedom has boundaries. And this one is basically often people think when you're free in Christ, you get to do whatever you want. Freedom in Christ actually enables you to do things that you weren't allowed to do before. So freedom actually does have boundaries. And then this one is hope. He who has the most hope has the most influence. So talk, talk about hope in that one. And then this is one of my favorite personal, get your own milk. We talk a lot about signs and wonders, but what we often don't talk about, how do we, when you get a breakthrough and a miracle in a specific area, how do you camp out there? And how did that become the new standard? So this is actually growing in signs and wonders and miracles and spiritual authority. How to occupy that space of breakthrough instead of going back to where you always were and trying to get another breakthrough. And so what I'd like to do, if someone could take this one to the overflow room, because I know there's people in the overflow room. Can you give this? Eric, we brought them all in for that. Oh, never mind. No one's over there. Okay. Then I'm going to throw these, because I miss throwing these. So I'm just going to. That is so dangerous. Lord, help you. All right. It's like dark in here. So. You didn't like that, did you, Candace? You didn't like that? That was so much fun. It like went into the shadows. Who's it gonna hit? Who's it gonna hit? Wouldn't you feel bad if it just stuck in someone's forehead? I would feel for horrible. I really would. When we, we were youth pastor, I would um, throw CDs out, but no case, just a CD. Because we had, we had a band in our youth group and they would make the demo tape or CDs. And they didn't have cases. So they'd give me these blank CDs with their, like, their recordings on it. And I'd throw them out. Well, one day, I hit a kid right in the forehead. And I didn't throw many CDs after that. So I missed doing that. It was fun. So, so. You did a lot of things as a youth pastor that you wouldn't do anymore. No, I did so many things. We are not going there today. That's, that is for behind-closed-doors conversations. So... We're really looking forward to being with you guys uh, this afternoon and tonight. And uh, what we wanted to do this afternoon was to do a mixture of a few things. And we wanted to give a little bit of context backdrop, backdrop of why we're planting this church, why these guys are here, uh, just to give some understanding. Um, a lot of you are, um, I'm assuming, are somewhat familiar with Bethel. And as you can imagine, we have a lot of people ask us, approach us about planting churches. And for a very long time, and the senior leadership, we, it's been a discussion for many years, and the, our normal approach to church planting has been, we don't feel like that's something that God has called us to do. Now, I personally have lots of friends that plant churches. I got 10 churches in the next five years that have these very strategic plans, and I, I love it. I am so on board with it. 
And so that's kind of been our stance all along. However, I would say about nine years ago, eight to ten years ago, we were having these conversations around church planting. And um, if, you, if I can paint a picture, we had the senior leadership team, which would be my dad, Chris, Paul Manwaring, Danny Silk, um, and a few others, and there, Dan Fairley. And, and then you had Banning and I. And Banning and I were the same age. We were the young bucks in the room. So at the time, we were like 33 years old, 32 years old, somewhere in there. And him and I would be like, man, church planting, kind of feel like we're supposed to do some church planting. But not sure what that looked like in the context of um, a movement that that's not their main mission. Our main mission, honestly, and again, we have nothing against church planting at all. It's just, it's important to know what God called you to do and to do that really well. And for us, that wasn't the main thing up until that point, especially. And so, again, we had no problem with church planting. We loved it. We believed in it. It, it has to happen. But as far as that, what we are to give our time to. So while these conversations were happening, Banning and I would be like, we'd be feeling something a little bit different, not to the opposite extreme, but we were just feeling like it feels like there's something there and we don't know what that is. And so as many of you know, Banning um, eventually moved from Reading to Sacramento to plant Jesus culture. Is this mic okay or should I switch? Are we okay? Okay. Give me this or something and I'll, I'll switch mics. Um, and so Banning and I would go, go man, what, what do we do about this tension? And one of the main reasons why we didn't feel like church planting was the main mission of Bethel specifically is we have felt a calling to serve all churches, all denominations across every stream. And sometimes when you plant in a city or a region, it actually um, is detrimental to the ability to serve all the body of Christ instead of just you know one and so we've been navigating that so that was kind of our backdrop and our story but at the same time been wrestling with what what is it about church planting for us so that was again a long conversation years ago and a couple years ago Joaquin and Renee ended up in our office and started sharing with them about their heart to plant a church they thought the Lord was leading them somewhere else to plant a church and and so as we began to talk I think of the first meeting, and we said, well, where are you thinking? And they said, Austin. And I said, that is so interesting. You say Austin, because eight or nine years ago, when Banning and I were like, man, what do we do about this? As I was thinking about cities, Austin kept coming up eight or nine years ago. So when they sat in our office a couple years ago and said, Austin, I was like, that is so interesting. I, now I know the Lord spoke to me eight or nine years ago and said, you guys will be doing something in Austin, Texas. And so it was kind of around that time where we said, you know what, this is, this is the Lord. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go, go. And we went through, I don't know, a number of months of just, see, they sought the Lord, we sought the Lord, the senior leadership team sought the Lord. They're like, we don't want to just do it because, and we really felt like the Lord was so on this one. And it's one of the things that really confirmed it for us. Well, I think you guys came down to visit, to scout the place out. And they came into our office for me, and they said, Eric, you would not understand, Eric and Candace, you guys would not believe the anticipation, the expectation, like often it begging us to come. And it was one of the most unusual, unusual things to hear, because usually it's like, oh, another church, or they get territorial, you start getting into all these dynamics that we just, you know, we didn't want to become, we didn't want to go down that vein, but to hear the opposite where, Hundreds of leaders around this city are like, please come. We want you guys to bring what you guys have to our city. In fact, we've been praying for someone that has your DNA value to bring it to Austin. So it was just a different reality for us. 
And of course, I, we believe Joaquin and Renee when they shared with, that, shared with us that, but I was like, I really want to see that for myself. And so Bethel Music was actually doing a tour through, through Texas. And so I hopped on, met him in New Orleans, and then it went through Austin, and then we did an afternoon. We met at, um, the, I don't know, the Nashers, are you guys here? Where are you guys at? Okay, uh, the Nashers, they um, pastor a church in Round Rock, correct? Yeah, Round Rock. And so they decided to host a gathering there of a variety of pastors and leaders across this region. Um, so I would have a chance to meet with them. I'd love to just meet with them, share my heart, our heart, but also to hear them. And I was overwhelmed. Like, they didn't tell me, they, didn't, they did not exaggerate at all. Actually, more than they told me, the fact that all these leaders, like, we are so excited that you guys are even considering sending someone to Austin to plant a church. So I went back home from that trip, met with the senior leadership. I said, guys, this is a different situation. This is not a, we don't want another church. This was, please come. We've been praying for this. And so that's a little bit of the backdrop of why we're here today is because we feel like specifically the Lord spoke to obviously them. And, and eight or nine years ago, I heard the word Austin, Texas, or the city Austin, Texas, and then just interacting with a variety of pastors and leaders from all over the region. Oh, please come. We would not want nothing more than for you guys to come and to drive a stake in the ground, so to speak. And so I wanted to give a little bit of a backdrop of why we're here today is because obviously the Lord's on it, but the receptivity of the other pastors and leaders, and I know there's some of you are in this room, and I, I know I've not met all of you, but I just want to say thanks so much for this region saying, please come. And so from that point, and it's really easy, as Candace said, it's, like, yeah, of course we're going to believe in you guys. This is the easiest people to believe in. And it was, it was just so fun. And one of the, so that, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. And what we wanted to do today was we wanted to give you guys charges. We want to speak to the Bethel Austin community and our heart. And again, if you're just visiting for this weekend and you just wanted to be a part of this conference and this, this, uh, this memorable moment, then we're so glad you're here. And today we want to give, like, we have like three or four or five charges that we want to kind of give to you at the church. To um, these are these are markers. These are these are pieces of the DNA. These are are charges of what's to come ahead. Yeah, the first area that we want to touch on, it's one of our cornerstones, is we are about revival and community. A lot of times it feels like, sometimes it seems like you have to make that decision. Are you going after revival? Or are you building family and community? Because it's either one or the other. And we just want to say that we are a people that go after God with everything that we have in us, that we want to become all who God has created us to be, and that we are continually in pursuit of Him and that we're in pursuit of each other. It's not one or the other, yeah. it's both. One of our main statements is, um, we are a church, we want you to belong, be known, and be launched into your destiny. And we're not doing community just to be in community for community's sake so we could all just get to know each other. Like that is more the context with which we do life. Like we, um, we get to know each other, we're, be we're belonging, and we're being known I think it's really important, not that we just um, fill a building and sit next to people and say, hi, how are you? But I really believe that all of us should be able to answer. Um, if I were to ask you, who knows you? Like that somebody knows you. It's really important. You look at even how Jesus did life. One of my favorite verses is in John 13, 1. Super simple. It's right before he washes his disciples' feet. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
Even Jesus, who had crowds around him, he was intentional with who he invested his life in and who, who he did life with. And you would ask Jesus, who knows you? There were about 12 people he invited in really deep. He had other friends, but he made intentional decisions to do life really well. And it says he loved them well to the end. I'm like, oh, even Jesus modeled it. We have a destiny. We have a calling on our lives. And we are about one thing, Jesus. And we're not changing. That's who we are. So I just charge you that as we move forward and as we continue to have a full yes, and I'm going to keep saying full yes because I... As I, that's how I know Joaquin and Renee to be. And that's who we are as a house. We are a passionate people. Sometimes I, I laugh at all the videos that we make. I don't know if you, how many people watch our podcasts uh, and stuff um, or video streaming. But all the videos that come out of our house, my kids are like, Mom, they're like Marvel, Marvel commercials. It's like, doom, doom, you know, like, we are changing the world. You're going to, we are just a passionate people. And that is not going to change. You can't actually slice that off of us. It's all about the soundtrack. Yeah, that probably All helps too. And the, your leaders are exactly that. Like they're not going to have a half yes. And so all of you, I just, as all of you are here and people who make this be your home, that we are a passionate people about the Lord and about each other. Yeah. And community is so important and family is so important. A big part of family, I mentioned this earlier, but a big part of family is commitment that I would ask anyone who's questioning being a part of this church, another church, find a family somewhere and commit. You know, sometimes I know people like, oh, I go to three churches. Or I go to four, I'm like, really? You're like, yeah, I just, I like this about this one and this. I'm like, that's, I think that's great to enjoy everybody, but you should be committed somewhere. Like somewhere, someone should know you because you know what we do to each other? We call each other out and we call each other up. Yeah. And sometimes you don't realize when you're walking sideways. <laughs> and you're like, seems normal to me. And then someone who knows you is like, I know what you look like. Is everything okay? I'm fine. Well, did you know you're walking sideways? I did not know that. Or I'm walking with this limp. Yeah, I haven't taken care of it. I've been rejected and I decided to stay this way. Come on. And those things don't get healed and called out unless you're around people that know you mm -hmm. or just by an act of God that he and his kindness just tells you. But a lot of times he uses these relationships, this is a touch of the people around you. And so as we are launching a church, I just want to say that we are about revival, but we're also family. That yeah. is the context with which we do life yeah. because it keeps us healthy yep. so that we don't get all wonky. Things, you know what happens when you live alone? You guys seen Tom Hanks when he got cast away into the island? You start talking to volleyballs. That's just how God made us. He didn't make us to live alone. I, when my parents, when I was five years old, my parents got divorced. And um, my dad is on his fourth, he's on his fourth marriage. Eric and my brother-in-law got to marry him like 12 years ago. We did the marriage counseling and the wedding of so my cool. father-in-law. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. It was They're cool, still huh? married 12 years later. Yeah, they're they still work. married. So this was good that he married them. And so <laughs> I've had a lot of different stepmoms and just a really tumultuous home life. And um, 
I didn't, you know how sometimes you just don't realize the things that are off in your life until you get close to other people and you're like, isn't that, that's how life is? And you're like, oh no, this is unique to me. Like there's something wrong with my view because um, the way that we did family just was really broken and integrated with a lot of other stepmoms depending on um, what year it was. And um, when Eric and I got married, I just, you know, as I got close to him, you started learning a lot about myself. And one of the things that I learned is um, I would, I'd go over to Bill and Benny's house, and Bill and Benny are very gracious people. They're people who just have low, like they don't require a lot of people around them. You're pretty free. Like if you go into their house, and they had teenagers at this time, even when I came into their lives, uh, Brian and Leah were a lot younger. And um, we'd go over there, and everyone just gets whatever you want. You, know, you could open their cupboards. Like nobody cares. And I would go over there, and even after we got married, then like say I was go, go over there, and you'd be thirsty or something. And I'd walk in their house, and we'd hang out and talk. And I'm thirsty, but I don't say anything or do anything about it. And then we leave, and I'm like, oh, let's go get something to drink. He's like, why didn't you get something to drink there? I'm like, well, I don't want to bother them, and I didn't know. And and I was, and he's like, that's weird. And I realized like that is weird. Like. <laughs> Why, why are you like that? Yeah. And this is with the nicest people and the most generous people. And, um, and so just really like, Candace, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and then I just, let me look at my life and it's like, well, I can understand why you're yeah. that way. I had a stepmom specifically when I was in elementary school who was just really cruel. And if you didn't do things exactly like she wanted, she would cuss at you or make mean faces at you. And like you caused so many problems. So my goal growing up was not to cause problems. Yeah. And the best way to do that is to be as minimal impact on the environment as possible. So it's not like I was crazy. There's reasons why we act yeah. the way we, we act a lot of times. But it's not like we should stay there. <laughs> and so it was just like, oh, I don't want to be like that. Yeah, so you try not to be like that, but like, how do you change who you are just by willing yourself not to? And so I would try not to partner with that, but it was something that was just one of the little things just from my journey that was still on me. And one night, we were our first year of marriage, and there was this couple at Bethel who, to me, they were like a really mature older people because they had kids. Um, you know how, like, they're real adults? So Eric and I didn't have kids, and we were like, the real adults invited us over to their house for dinner. We didn't really know them that well. And we're like, okay, and do you want us to bring something? I was trying to be all mature, you know, like, I should contribute. So we go to their house, and, um, you know, I didn't know what it was going to be like, and it was the most fun evening. They were just... Um, I felt so peaceful, I felt so welcome, their kids were fun and just played all along with us. And, and I just remember going, gosh, I feel so free and welcome here. They had yeah. the gift of hospitality. And um, we left that night and got in the car and I'm like, that was really fun. Next like, it was. And then we were talking a couple of days later and I said, that was such a good night. I feel like I've changed. Yeah. He goes, you have. I'm like, I have? He goes, yeah, I've noticed it. And I realized that night we didn't intentionally do anything except for just enjoy them, but something fell off of me in that yeah. area I mentioned where like, I was okay to be me. Wow. Yeah. And all it was is I was just hanging out with other people who had that gift on them. Wow. Like relationships are so important. I do believe that we carry the keys to unlock people's destinies. Come on. This isn't a minor and unspiritual thing. Because sometimes you'd be like, the spiritual thing is when we manifest in God's presence. Like, that is awesome. That is spiritual. But this is spiritual, too. Yeah. They're all. It's not one or the other. It's good. It's it all. Charge number one. 
You can do all of them. I'm going to sit down. I'm just going to take notes. You know, we, we noticed something back home that people came for the signs and wonders and miracles, but they stayed because of family. And so our, our goal as, as Bethel, and you guys are a big, uh, Bethel, Bethel Austin, is build a place where the supernatural signs and wonders abound. Pursue the presence of the Lord. And we're going to talk about a lot of that today. But also make sure that you build a community to sustain that. Community is what sustains it. And the book of Acts, revival, going after God, the moves of God, and what he does was not any different than building community. In the book of Acts, it was one and the same. And oftentimes in Western church, we just, we, and I run into it all the time, all over the world, and most of it subconsciously, we have to choose one or the other. That's not true. From a biblical standpoint, the book of Acts, it talked about people getting saved, signs and wonders, crazy thousands of people getting baptized daily, and they ate bread together, prayed together, fellowship together, and studied together. And so really want to encourage you, uh, obviously the leadership team, this is, this is their DNA, but I want to encourage you to understand that we're going after both, not one or the other. Yeah, Revival and community are one and the same, and we need to fight for that. We have to fight for it. We have to pay the price for that because it's so worth it. The cause of the local church, I think, is even more profound today than it was 20 years ago. Because we live in a world that is deconstructing everything. And their, their cause of the local church is, is extremely valid and important and crucial for the time that we live in, where people can come. On one of our first Sundays, when we became senior pastors of Bethel, we stood up in front of our church and we made this statement. We, we made the extreme statement and then we backed it up with, with supportive thoughts. And it was this, we are not here to build community. And then we said, our only job is not just to build community. That is where we start. Yeah, it's a starting place. And then from there, we go change the world. So our goal is to build a place that people can come in into a place of community, get healed, get well, get refreshed, revived, and all the other things that happen. And then we got to go change the world. And so that's really, so revival and community is the first one. One other thing I have to say on that one, sorry. Go for it. Is relationships just don't happen either. You might run into each other at a store or at your kid's school or maybe at church, but to actually develop a relationship, it takes intentionality. And so with this, I just charge you to be, you are an intentional people yeah. to yeah. make sure that you just, I have to ask yourself, who is God highlighting and what do I need to do about it? Mm-hmm. Because Thanksgiving dinner, um, during Thanksgiving and all the people coming doesn't just happen. Like, how in the world, who makes all this food? Who plans it? I'm like, everyone sacrifices and contributes something. Yeah. Everyone puts it on their calendar. Mm-hmm. So with relationship, I just say, get your calendar out, ask God, and then do something about it mm-hmm. on a continual basis. Yeah. We had to confront the lie because we were, um, Bethel was exploding, our church was exploding, the school was exploding. The numbers were almost doubling every year for a period of time. And there was a conversation in our teams, the bigger we get, the less community we have. And I remember one morning I was um, getting ready to go to the office and I felt like the Lord said, you need to confront that lie that the bigger you get, the less community you have. So I remember going into our staff meeting, we had a huge discussion around it and we all made a commitment. We will not believe the lie that the bigger you get, the less community you have. So we, we confronted it and then we moved into, okay, how do we actually end build community in the context of massive growth and explosion. And the bottom line is this, it's just a lot more work. It is a lot of work. And big people in here that you're from big families, 
you know what that is. It's a lot of work to get together, cook meals, actually to be intentional. But it, to think that because you get bigger doesn't mean you have community is really a lie. And the enemy is actually trying to get that into the minds of people in the church. And so I want to encourage you, let's go after both and let's ask the Lord for creative ideas and wisdom of how to do it all really well. Okay? Uh, the second charge we want to give you is around the presence of God in worship. The presence of God in worship. A little bit of history for some of you. In the 1970s, my grandfather, my dad's dad, and my grandma, my, my, my dad's parents, they pastored Bethel Church in the 1970s and the 1980s. This was during the Jesus Movement. This was during um, when church was more traditional. And um, in that time, we had pews. And these pews had the little holes for the communion cups to go in after you were done drinking them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I love pews. Pews are actually kind of cool now. Like, we should bring the pews back. There's something about them. Some of you are like, oh. We haven't had pews in like 30, 40 years. And I'm like, I kind of like pews. They're kind of cool, kind of retro, whatever. Anyway, my point is, you had the communion. You had the, you had the tithe envelope slot. Anybody remember that? And then you had the hymnals. And so that was Bethel Church for many years. And my grandfather taught a series on worship taught a series on how worship is the most important ministry. We are called to be worshipers of the king. We're called to be priests, to minister to the king, and it is the highest priority in life. And this was in a time where that was, that was a really, for at least for the world that we were in, the stream that we were in, that that was not a paradigm at all. Worship was the warm-up for the message. It was just the, the songs in the beginning. It wasn't an, actually an, a true act of worship. And the story goes like this. My grandfather is preaching this message. And my dad, at the time, he was, um, I believe he was the junior high youth pastor at Bethel. This was back in the 70s. And he was sitting over on this side of the auditorium. And as my grandfather was preaching this message, my dad bowed his head and said, God, I give the rest of my life to that. And what people don't often realize is what we experience today in the expressions of worship in our house. And obviously Bethel music, Bethel worship. There's all the stuff that's happening. All of that is really a 30, 40 year fruit of a decision made in the 1970s and the 1980s. And around that time, my grandfather decided to bring, get rid of the hymnal and bring in the transparency overhead projector. Anybody remember those mm. bad boys? With a big <laughs> magnifying glass, you would get burned if you stand too close to it. And there's a fan. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then if you didn't have the song, you get a Sharpie out real quick and write it on a... <laughs> Some of you guys have been in church a while, I can tell. And so we would line it up and he focused it and he brought that in and people had a, they freaked out. What is that thing? Where are my hymnals? And then he brought the, he brought a, you know, the, the guitar in, he brought the drums in. And honestly, um, there's different versions of the story, but my grandma said the church split. People just couldn't do it. In fact, people... People left the church in droves because it was such a change, and it really was because we are no longer just doing songs for the sake of song. It is the highest priority of life. It is the highest ministry in life. And so my grandfather, without going into in-depth, my grandparent paid a massive price for that, for Bethel. It, it's one of those stakes in the ground that had lots of blood and sweat over. And I, I, I don't even know if I could describe fully enough of the intensity of the, of the accusation, the pain they had to endure to make sure that we didn't waver from that. So here we are many years later, and it's just normal. 
just normal. Why wouldn't we think worship is the number one thing? It's because, for at least for this house and this movement, our patriarch and matriarch, they drove that stake in the ground. They got rid of sets. They didn't go in, right, we're going to do these three songs. They went and said, let's just see what happens. And they did that in the 70s and the 80s, which my grandma, my grandma was the piano player, and she would just go for it. She's a beautiful piano player. And so some of our history is deeply rooted in that stake in the ground. Yeah, I was talking to Grandma Johnson, which is Bill's mom, and she's a very opinionated, wonderful woman. She's really, really opinionated and very honest. And I like it because I always feel comfortable because you never have to question what she's thinking because she tells you. And she is really wonderful and fun and she's kind of spicy. So I was talking to her and I said, oh, I have to get up and close worship. She goes, I don't like it when people say that. I said, say what? And she goes, you don't close worship. Life is worship. And I'm like, yep, you're right. This was like just a few months ago. And I'm like, oh, I will adjust that. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, that is true. I said, I'm going to go up and transition worship. And I love to mention that because it's really what I believe it's true. It's true. We all believe it, that life is worship unto the Lord. I believe that when we actually use our gifts fully, that it's worship to the Lord. I believe when we love ourselves well and enjoy ourselves, I think it's worship to the Lord because he created us in his image. Right. And so I think so many things are worship. It's not just our song. We come in to a time of worshiping God together, but it is so much more than that. But yeah. that's who, that is our highest priority, and it is a part of our services and time together. We prioritize just coming before fully adoring God together, as well as a lot of other things. I remember I was a young boy, and this was at Mountain Chapel. This was in Weaverville before my family moved back to Bethel. And I remember hearing some of the adults in the church complain how worship was too long on Sunday morning. And my dad's answer was, you're going to be really bored in heaven. <laughs> so you better get used to it now. <laughs> so, so, that, so just so you know, why we worship for any length of time, sometimes a very long time, is because it is one of the highest priorities of this house, is to worship the Lord, get into his presence, because we have to be defined by his presence. We can't be defined by anything yeah. else but His presence. And so worship in the presence of the Lord. And, and it's easy to worship God when you're in the mood. Some of the most important worship you will ever offer is when you are in the worst season or not even in the mood. It's like, can you do it in those moments? Can you do it in the face of adversity? Can you do it in the face of loss? Can you do it in the face of, I don't want to? And that's why sometimes it's called a sacrifice. And so it really is one of the highest privileges in life. And yeah, as we've learned, as you study this, you'll find that when you get to heaven, it is no longer a sacrifice. And so that's why we have a privilege in this lifetime is to give him everything. So worship in the presence of the Lord is, is one of the key, key things. Uh, the third area that we want to talk about is expectancy, signs and wonders and miracles. He who had the most hope had the most influence. Um, a few years ago, this was three summer, actually four summers ago now, I got a phone call from the Rotary Club um, in Reading. And there's five Rotary Clubs, which I didn't know this at the time. And so they called and said, we were wondering if Pastor Eric would love to come share at a Rotary Club lunch. And I'd never had that phone call before. And so I had my assistant call and find out. And I said, yeah, go ahead and set it up. And it was three months out. And, and so that day came. So I go down to the, the, the country club where the luncheon was. And I walk into it, I'd never been to a Rotary meeting at all. So I walk in and I'm trying to find the guy that invited me. 
And so I say, where's so-and-so? They said, oh, he's over at the table. I said, great. So I walk over and I walk to the back and I go up to him. I said, hi, my name's Eric. And he knew me. I just had never met him. And he said, oh, Eric, I'm so glad you're here. And I said, what do you want from me? I, I don't know what you guys do in a luncheon. He's all, could you, you know, we don't, he said, we don't feel Bethel gets enough good press in the business community. So this is your opportunity to tell the business community why you guys love the city of Reading and why you're not just a church in the four walls of your church, but you're actually so engaged in the city in so many ways. I said, oh, that's easy. So I got up there and I had, you know, they're businessmen and businesswomen. So I thought numbers and statistics would be, they would like to hear that. But I gave them the why behind all that. This is why, the behind the what. I shared for about 10, 15 minutes. It was the, one of the quietest. <laughs> it was, they called it the talk. They said that was a really great talk. And so I learned it wasn't a message teaching, it was a talk. And so, and while I was doing the talk, all I could hear were the forks and knives on the plate while they're eating the lunch. <laughs> now, I didn't get insecure. So I, I was just dead silent. I'm all, they enjoying this? I could not tell. And some guy like this and... It was just a fun experience. And so I get to the very end, and they said they wanted me to do questions and answers. And so at the very end, I said, anybody have any questions? So a guy in the back, of course. It's always the guy in the back. <laughs> and he was this guy. And he was actually leaning back in a chair, and so he raised his hand. I said, yeah, uh, what, what, what can I help you with? And he said, you know, everyone says you're a cult. <laughs> and I'm thinking, we have to start with that? <laughs> but then he said... Don't listen to them. We love what you guys are doing. I'm like, oh, good. Was... And then there was a series of questions, and um, one guy stood up, and he said, um, he said, why Bethel? There's a lot of other churches in Reading, but why are thousands of people coming to your church? And it was a really good question, because I'm friends with a lot of the local pastors, and there's a lot of other churches in Reading that if Bethel wasn't around, I'd be going to that church. And so I was like, that's a really good question. So I was trying to find the right way to answer that. And I, my, my answer was this. You know, I think it's because we have a lot of hope in the impossible that God will show up. That he will just show up. And so one of the, not unique, because it's not just on Bethel, it's on believers, period. But one of the distinctions of this house is an expectancy that God will show up. We come, we come together, we live our life with that expectancy. We just met with um, about a big part of our team that run our weekend services. We had about a couple hundred people on our teams. And one of the things I said, let's be the most hope-filled, expectant people that anybody ever encounters. And if you're not full of hope, go get full of hope before you come on Sunday or before you meet with people. Like That is the responsibility that we come in with high hope and expectancy that God is going to show up. So that's one of the distinctions of this house. It's your responsibility to be filled with hope. It's your responsibility to create an expectancy for God to come. And then when it comes to signs and wonders and miracles, this is the stake in the ground that my dad had paid a great price for, for our house. Paid a great price for. We had a, some fun conversations recently with some of, our, some of our community in our church. And I can't give you the context of the conversations. I don't want to open a can of worms today. But they were trying to figure out why my dad was so stubborn on a specific area. And, and so I'm like, you guys, you guys don't understand my dad. I said, he's a hero today, but 20 years ago, he was one of the most unpopular guys in the church because he was talking about signs and wonders and miracles and Holy Spirit and manifestation, and people left like crazy. I mean, the, the blogs, the letters, the email, the video, the accusation, people were having conferences just to oppose my dad. 
I mean, it was, it was, there was a season where Bethel was very unpopular, very unpopular. In fact, it was a place where people came to intentional to heckle. Uh, it was just, it was just, those weren't the fun years. And I said, and I told this, this group of people, they were like, why is your dad so stubborn on this one thing? And I said, you don't understand, he's a hero to you today because he did that. He paid a price for that. And so now we all celebrate him. But back then, 20 years ago, that was not the case. Our family had to go through a whole bunch of accusations and miss, you know, just a bunch of junk. And I want to tell you, because of that, it is your responsibility as a house to take that thing of signs and wonders and miracles and take it to the next level. Take it to the next generation. You can study signs and wonders and miracles in church history and you'll see movement where it takes off and then it dies in the next generation. And our dream is that this specific thing of this in our generation that we actually see it passed on to the next generation. To the next generation. And so when it comes to expectancy, being people full of hope, and when it comes to signs and wonders and miracles, that one cost us a lot. And today, it's, it's very much embraced in the church today on a pretty wide scale. And there's people out there. I, I'll show you a local testimony and then we'll go to the next one. The local testimony, they would actually, I'm afraid to say it on recording. I'll just say it and pray it never gets back to Reading. So <laughs> there was a group of five churches in our area that put on a conference to directly oppose Bethel. It would actually, if you looked at the description of the conference, it was to basically teach against everything that we believed in. It would actually, in our, in our area, and, um, which was just, just awesome. And so, so they did the conference, it all happened, it all went down, and we did some things on behind the scenes just to um, support them. We found ways to support them. They didn't like the idea of us supporting them, but we did it anyway. So, and um, seriously, we did. It was the craftiness of my dad. It was, he's just brilliant. He is brilliant with generosity. He's like, oh, okay, here you go. Wait, and that guy's opposed to him. He's like, no, here you go, I'll help you out. And so I'm, I'm leaving it vague. And so fast forward to two years, sorry, three years ago. One of the main guys that was one of the five churches, one of the main guys had lunch with me. And he sat down, had lunch with me, and he apologized. And it wasn't just, I'm sorry, like I have, I have been in the wrong for so many years. And he apologized. And in the last five years, every one of those pastors, with the exception of one of them, there's four pastors, they have all come to us and apologized for how much they were against, not Bethel, but they were against what God is doing in the church today. And so we have seen this, we have seen the... We have seen the turnaround, just even in our area, a complete turnaround on a, on a wide scale of people that were directly opposed to us and said healing is not for today. It died with the apostles. And they said, actually, no, we, we were wrong about that. And so I want to encourage you when it comes to ex expectation and signs and wonders and miracles, please do whatever it takes to take that one to the next generation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. This last week with our staff, I really felt like we were supposed to stir up faith and hope. And um, that's one of the opportunities that we get every day in our family, in our cities, that we would partner with God who is, He is faith. He is faithful. 
and that that's our opportunity. And so even now today, what I would encourage you to do is gather with people and say, what do you have hope for? What do you have faith for? Like if we could um, fill our conversations, what if we were to fill them with um, declarations of hope and faith? And then what if we were a church that actually prayed from that place? You know, when I, when I look around, I watch the media, and I, I mean, you just get, you, and you even watch social media, it's a lot of opinions, it's a lot of critique, and it's a lot of negativity. I'm like, I don't even know how to watch the news anymore. I don't know, and then, so I'm like, what is our role as the church in this to be a people of faith, and how important faith is? I love Hebrews 11, it starts out, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's substance, we call it in. That's right. Even before you see it. For the, and, and for the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. How important is faith? There's a lot for us to steward. We can read the word, but then what do we do? How do we, what do we do with what the word says and then what we see in life? And I believe that's where we stand in. And we're standing for breakthrough. We're standing as Christians, as people of faith in our city, in our families. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's who we are. We are people of faith who seek the Lord and know how to stand from that place. Mm-hmm. And our last point is we are salt and light. That's who we are. I actually experienced, even when we were in worship, God is good, you are good, you are good. And I, we went into it even farther. And I'm like, farther, oh gosh. I just see this place and these people going deeper mm-hmm. and deeper into the goodness of God. Into the goodness of God. What you know him to be good in and his loving kindness, you haven't seen anything yet. Anything yet. And I thought we were going to this place in this room. But it's going to be in your lives. It's going to be in other, other parts of your lives. It's going to be so good, it's going to undo you. Yeah. And last night, how I talked about the fragrance of Christ, the fragrance in here and the aroma, as you get in there, you are going to become so, so impacted by his goodness that it's going to be reflected in every area of your life. That yeah. I believe that people are going to come to the Lord and their hearts are going to be tenderized just by you stepping into his goodness more. I see, I mean, there's so many gifts and talents in this place and callings and anointings. And as you step into the goodness of God, I believe that it's going to go to a whole nother level of yeah. anointing. And so I encourage you in your worship and pursuit, go deeper, yeah. go deeper. Don't stop just when it's like, oh, it's been five minutes or 10 minutes, go deeper. And I fully, I just declare this over you. Get ready to be undone by his loving kindness. I actually see there's doors and pathways that will open up for you and you're going to be so undone because you're going to know it has nothing to do with you. And you're going to know it's only him. All the stuff that we experience in Reading, we know that doesn't have anything to do with us. I mean, we are cool people. Don't get me wrong. But we didn't create this. If you knew like our um, building and strategizing skills, it's not, it's not to the level of what you're seeing. We are still catching up to what God is doing. It's the truth. It's yeah. the truth. And that's what keeps you real and humble. Of like, if I was to be really honest, it has nothing to do with us. We're stewarding it and you say yes and you step into it and you partner. There is something to steward. But it's so him. 
Yeah. It's so him. And I just want to say that you are rich and blessed people. And what God does with you in here and in your communities and in your seeking and worship times, it's not meant to stay here. It really is to be the, you're to be the light of the world. That's good. And you're in Austin. And I love even last night, Renee, you made mention to one of the um, statements over the university. Something about what stays in Texas is meant Oh, what starts here changes the world. I love that. What a beautiful place for you guys to be. How strategic is yeah. this? You know, we have this story of years ago at Bethel when um, I would probably be, was it more than the, like 20 years ago, 18 years ago? Which story? The Roadrunner. Oh, yeah. Have you guys yeah. heard the Roadrunner story? Okay. That, yeah, not all of you. This really is, I mean, we have a call on our house and this story yeah really um, encapsulates it is um, in the we always have pre-service prayer I think it I remember a lot on Sunday nights we would meet in the dining room and there's windows out the back to our property in Bethel there's um, kind of just surrounded by some green land or brown land in the summer and um, and as you we'd re- meet in this dining room glass walls and you just walk around the room and pray and um, there was a season where when we'd be praying um, there'd be a roadrunner that would come up to the back of the window. Mind you, I've never seen a roadrunner in Reading before. It's not like we have them. I didn't even know we had them. I didn't either. Yeah. And I don't, do we, I mean, is that even common? <laughs> so it's very uncommon in Reading. And there'd be a roadrunner and it's like, that is so weird. This roadrunner's just out there. Well, it started becoming this common thing that when you'd have prayer meetings, the roadrunner would show up. And I remember then Banny was even having some prayer meetings uh, for the youth at that time. And then he'd say, and the roadrunner came again. It's like, that is so strange. And I believe even our facilities team um, periodically would be doing stuff and see the roadrunner. So everyone's talking about this roadrunner that was visiting us at Sometimes it would come up to the, it would be outside looking in and it would have a lizard in its mouth. (laughs) Yeah, it would just, every prayer meeting it would show up on the outside. Yeah, and then, um, so everyone knew this Roadrunner is this interesting experience that we're all having. And then um, one day the Roadrunner somehow gets into the building. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we had a facilities person at the time was like, oh my gosh, the Roadrunner. And, um, and everybody kind of knew the, the Roadrunner. They're just Roadrunner around. Yeah. So this one janitor, he, he's in the hallway and the Roadrunner's there. So he sits down. <laughs> he sits down in the hallway and had this moment with this Roadrunner. That's how he described it. And then he thought, oh, I got to get back to work. And so, so he gets up and he walked down the hall. Well, the roadrunner follows him. Everywhere he went, the roadrunner would follow this, or one of our janitors. Well, um, as he's walking down the hallway, somebody down the hall shut a door really loud and it startled the roadrunner. And we had these really big hallways that go out to our two main lobbies. And this is all glass going outside. And this roadrunner took off running down the hallway, ran into the glass, fell over and died. <laughs> the roadrunner's dead. I'm like, what kind of story are we telling? <laughs> the roadrunner got stuck in our building and died. And it was like, oh no, the roadrunner who kept coming up when we were praying and he just died. So they, that janitor went and told my dad, Bill, I'm so sorry, but I think I killed the roadrunner. <laughs> And it was just like, oh, this is this whole thing. And so dad, dad was like, so he, so, he, so he went back and it was like, God, what was this thing about the roadrunner? And he just praying into it. And he felt like the Holy Spirit said, what's in the house, if it doesn't get out of the house, will die. 
And that was like 20 years ago now, 20, 21 years ago. And this is so true, and it's something that we fully believe, and we know that whatever God is doing, whatever he gives us, whatever he's depositing, it's not just meant for us. But whatever freedom that we have, that we go and we give it away. And we know that when you give it away, I love this when people come to Bethel, and they're like, I just want more. And I'm like, take it, take it. But just know, once you take it, if you want it to grow, you just need to give it away. It is just the, na- it's in the natural. That's what happens, but also in the spiritual. And I, I believe too, that it goes to another level when we give it away. Like stuff that actually, that God has given you goes to a deeper level mm-hmm. when you give it away. And so we're salt and light. And I believe that, um, that that's part of our health. It's part of our destiny is getting out and engaging with culture. Mm-hmm. You're in Austin we're in Reading, but there is, um, it's really important that we don't stay inside the buildings. And what God is doing here wasn't meant to stay in. Yeah. Truly wasn't. So I, we just charge you, Bethel Austin, yeah. that um, be who, let God be who he is in you, that there's something about Christ in you. It's really important that you have permission to be you, individually, but also as a church, that there is a beauty on you, there's an anointing, and there is freedom. And it's not just freedom, it's actually worship. For you to worship God is really to step into that sweet spot of not just accepting who you are, but enjoying who you are and giving it to God. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you go to work, be the best boss and employee or employee that you can be. Go and serve with all your heart. Add your gift mixes there. Whatever is God, as God is doing in you, go and give it away. That's good. Our goal isn't to gather everyone under one roof. Our goal is to gather everyone under one father. And so we, so that's, that's something that, that, that's a paradigm that we have to think. Now, that doesn't devalue gathering under a roof. Now, that is still crucial. But um, sometimes we spend too much energy trying to get people into a building instead of us going into the world. And so I want to encourage you, we are in a season as a church and a movement. It's actually a global thing right now where we are learning how to bring the kingdom into culture and society. And that is really, I believe, it is the frontier that the church is in the middle of right now. And so a lot of the stories we shared with you with the Bethel movement, this house, the journey that God's been taking this house on for the last 60 years, I believe the frontier that we're in the middle of right now, how does this all work in culture and society? How do we bring the kingdom into every aspect of society? I want to end with this story and then we're going to pray. Um, Bob Jones, uh, and Bob Jones had this encounter with the Lord and he saw his, his, um, what he said after this encounter was, this is, I just met the strangest man I've ever met in my life. And he went on to describe this man, that this man in one moment is teaching the top scholars, the theologians, the top religious scholars. And the next moment he's feeding 5,000 people with fish and bread. The next moment he is preaching to the multitudes. Next moment he's walking on water. The next moment he's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And he began to describe this man that we all know as Jesus. And Jesus was able to interface with every aspect, angle of culture and society seamlessly. And Bob Jones said, after he saw this man in this encounter, Jesus, he said, no, this was in the 1970s, no church culture would accept him today. T.D. Jake said recently, he said, if Jesus were alive today, we would have to teach him how to do church. And it's true, it's, it's, it's funny and sad at the same time. 
And so I want to challenge you, um, Bethel Austin, go on this journey with us of how to interface and integrate, not in a, not in a watered down compromised way, but how do we actually go into culture and society with the kingdom, but what works in the church doesn't often work outside the church. And so we have to get smarter. We have to get a lot smarter in how we interact and how to serve really well. And so we are salt and light. And yes, it, sometimes it means preaching the gospel, praying for the sick, but sometimes it means just bringing the kingdom into a situation and let the goodness of God be revealed in that situation. And so, well, so that's our final charge to you. So what we want to do right now is we have everybody stand. We're going to do something a little different. I'd like for everybody to try to get in one big circle around the entire perimeter of the room. We're going to make this a family affair. It'll probably need to be shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> shoulder to shoulder, maybe double layer, whatever we need to do. So let's get and just go all the way around the entire perimeter of the room if we can. And we want to close this time. If we need a double layer, just double layer. It, do, it doesn't need to be perfect by any means. As long as it's a general circle. Two layers if we need. I think we're okay, yeah. Yeah, just go ahead and double layer up. Or triple. Or triple, whatever it takes. Yeah. As long as we're on the outside of the room. And so you can grab a hand, put your hand on somebody in front of you, next to you. Uh, we wanted to get in a big circle for obvious reasons, to make a, it's, it's a posture of we're all one. We're all one. And I realize there's people in this room that you're just visiting from another church just to help celebrate this launch. Others of you, this is your home church. So whatever, wherever you fit is wonderful. Just glad that everyone's here. But let's pray together for this region, for Austin. And then I want to ask everyone to pray into the launching of this specific church, specifically, just in relation to the charges and what the Lord wants to do. So let's take a few moments and just pray. Yeah, take a moment and I want you to pray for Austin. Bless Austin. In your own words. Even stir up your faith, what you want to see happen in Austin. That's right. That's right. That's right. Thank you for every church, God. Yeah, pray for the church in Austin. The church in Austin. Pray for the leaders. That's right. That's right. 
Yeah, Father, we stand here at the body of Christ. We stand here as people representing variety of churches and specifically Bethel Austin. We thank you for what you're doing and highlighting this part of America right now. We know that this is one of the most strategic cities in America right now, not just in the area of tech and education and other areas, but we know that you're up to something that you want to pour out your spirit over this region in a fresh new wave of the Holy Spirit. So we pray for everyone in this room we just declare that this would be a continuation of what you've been building in this region, of what you've been building in this city and in this region. So, Father, I ask that you would pour out your spirit in greater measure, that the prayers of the saints for decades of a remove of God would come to the city would happen in the coming days. There would be such a sweeping move of God that souls and more souls would be saved. Marriages would be healed. Businesses would thrive. Wherever there's death, you would bring life. Wherever there's hopelessness, you would bring hope. Wherever there's discouragement, you would bring courage. So Father, we speak into the spiritual atmosphere. We speak into the soil. We speak into the lifeblood of this region that your spirit will be poured out on this region. And I pray for Bethel Austin as we are launching a brand new church, a community of believers that are passionate for revival, that are passionate for the presence of the Lord, that are passionate for signs and wonders and miracles. I ask for wisdom. I ask for incredible uh, bravery and courage on the leadership and the church to build a place that is thriving with revival and going deep in community. And that this place would exude wisdom and excellence in every way. And I pray for finances. I pray for resources. I pray for the right people to come to help build what you're doing in this region and what you want to do in this region. Yes, we bless you, Bethel Austin. We bless you. We bless who God is inside of you. And I thank you, Lord, for the heart. I thank you for the calling. I thank you for the full yes. Yes, and we just thank you, God, for even in the grace, that there be so much grace, grace for you to step into the fullness of who Christ is inside of you, grace for yourselves, grace for each other, grace, 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 that you'd have more than enough grace for everything that God has put on your heart, for everything that he's put in your hands. I thank you, Lord, for wisdom. That's right. That they would have wisdom beyond their years, that they have the wisdom of builders, that as you are building a church, as you're investing in a city, that you would just have the wisdom of heaven. Yes, we thank you, God, for Bethel Austin. We bless you, Bethel Austin. That's right. Yes, thank you, Lord. And I thank you for just tender hearts, that we would just have tender hearts for you, God. Wholehearted lovers, wholehearted lovers. That's right. I pray that your love, Lord, would go deeper and wider in all of us. Yes, and that this would be a church known for your love. Yes, we invite your love even more, that it would be in the foundations of everything that we do. Just saturate them in your love, God. Yes, thank you, Lord. And I thank you, God, for your favor, your favor and blessing. Right. That we are a rich people, that Bethel Austin is highly favored and blessed in everything that they do. And I thank you even for this building, Lord. I thank you for all the people that have come, all the resources. Yeah, you're so good, God. That's yeah, right. thank you, Lord. Thank you for the testimonies all along the way of all the individuals and all the families. Yeah, and that you'd receive all the glory. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, thank you, Lord. And I ask for, Father, even more of you. Even more of you. Take us deeper. Take us deeper. We say yes. Yes. 
Yeah. That's right. A full yes. And I thank you for what you've displayed thus far and how much we know you thus far. And we just ask for more. More of your love. Yeah, just take a deep breath. Yeah, we want more. Just breathe in his love. Mm. There's even more. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Mm. Let us be shaped by your love, God, more than any one thing. Yeah, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for who you are, that you're faithful, that you're faithful, Father. You're so good. You're so good. Yeah. As a sort of a prophetic act, why don't we turn around and aim outside of the church? Let's turn around and let's face, face outward. Out. And let's take a brief moment and pray for this region. Let's pray for what I want you to do. I want you to pray for souls. I want you to pray for salvations and souls. I want you to pray for the economy. I want you to pray for education. Pray for this city and this region. Take some time, pray for people, and pray for the actual makeup of a city. Yeah, God, we ask that you would occupy all the streets of this region. Every high ride, every street, every corner, that your spirit would be poured out. And we are calling for souls and more souls. We're praying that the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ would be experienced in everyday life. And Father, I pray that you would soften the hearts of a city. Open their eyes to see, open their ears to hear. And Father, as it is in heaven, we declare it would be on earth. As it is in heaven, it would be on earth. And everybody said, yeah. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. How good was that? Hey, uh, I just uh, I got one thing I, I wanted to share on that because it's so tight. I'm gonna re I'm gonna release you to go, uh, but man, there's just such an anointing. Uh, of unity and uh, and actually feel an anointing for connection community fellowship uh, both for you know people who are looking to call this home but for our whole city our, our, our whole region I'm not gonna hold you so you don't have to get you don't have to get comfortable too comfortable but I think you're gonna want to hear this hear this um, just the addition to um, the, the Roadrunner story that they were just telling. Um, that, so you just heard the story that Candace told about the Roadrunner um, and the significance. And, and over, over, over my time, over the 15 years in Reading, hearing that story, and that, that really got in me. It's one of those ones that sticks with you. And the whole, you know, what, if, if the anointing stays in the house, it'll die. It's got to get out of the house. That whole thing. So in the process of God calling us to, to Austin, um, we came on a couple of, of pre-trips to check out the land, to pray. And when we knew that, that this is where we were coming, we came, uh, we brought our, our early, early leadership team. We did a trip out here and we were praying like, where God do you want us? And we were really feeling South Austin was highlighted. So 
We're in the car and we're just doing a prayer drive around uh, South Austin, just praying around the area. And we're driving down the down this road, and my intern is in the car, my intern at the time, and we're just driving down the road, and my intern goes, I think that road we just passed was called Bethel Church Road. And we're like, what? No, that can't be. Like, She's like, no, I think that's what it said. So we turn the car around, we do a U-turn, we go back, and sure enough, I think it's off of Freight Breaker 1626, there's a little road called Bethel Church Road. Not Bethel Road, Bethel Church Road. And we're like praying, like, God, is South Austin where you want? We're all in the car praying, like, God, what are you doing, you know? And we drive past Bethel Church Road, and we're like, well, of course, you got to drive down Bethel Church. So we drive down this, it's just a short little road. It dead ends. There's a church at the end of the road, a little church. It was awesome. So we drive down there. We see this church. We're like, this is, this is amazing. But we turn back around the end of the road, and right in front of us on the road are two roadrunners. And roadrunners are like, you know, they're quick, they're dark here, they're, they're just, they're just stopped on the road in front of us. We have to stop the car and they just sit there for a minute and then they take off and it wasn't one, but two. Candace says what goes out increases, two roadrunners on Bethel Church Road. So, we're like, we're like all right, God, we think you're on this, so. Uh, we're going to release you, but uh, just the, the oil of, of unity is, is really flowing. And there's actually a couple people in our community who physically have been having oil uh, manifest uh, uh, yesterday and today. I, I mean, not the kind of like, you got to have your spiritual eyes, is that sweating? No, oh, they're leaking oil. God... God is doing something. <laughs> so I just encourage you, even as you go uh, for this break, just make a new friend. Like, and just invite somebody to go out to dinner with you, uh, make some connections. But I'm just going to pray that what they just released would just sink in deep. Because that was, that was gold, amen? So Father, we, we accept the charges. And we say yes, God, with a whole heart, Father. And we accept, the, we accept the commission not to gather people under one roof, but under one Father. God, we thank you for this city, God, with one church and many expressions. And we ask that every church, God, and this entire community, this entire city, would be blessed under your name. We pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Bless you guys. Have a great, um, great, if we're going to have a ministry time, a team up here, so if you did come for prayer, Sandra's going to come up here, we're going to have a ministry team, if, you, if you're looking for prayer, uh, you will be able to get prayer during this time, and we'll see you back at 6 o'clock tonight. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.